So I feel like um, I, I feel like I've heard from the Lord to try to preach through uh, the miracle stories of Jesus, and so try to break down each story where he did a miracle or an exorcism or you know did something supernatural with one agenda that that same Jesus that did those things in his body hasn't changed and he wants to do the same things through us, his body. And so that's the whole purpose for going through these stories. Um, so if the Lord will give me a grace, I still want to finish Romans. I still want to finish Ephesians. I, I have a lot of things, but I guess that gives us more opportunities to have Zoom calls in the future. And so, um, but I feel like right now, the burden on my heart, the fire on my heart is to preach and teach through all the miracle stories of Jesus, okay? And so this morning, as I was sitting here in my prayer room, the Lord just said, start in Mark. And so that's how I do it. And so let's just start in Mark chapter one. Angela from Arkansas, would just pray a prayer to invite the Holy Spirit to lead our time, Angela? Absolutely, thank you. So Holy Spirit, we do, we invite you in. We ask that you would prepare our hearts even now as we get ready to dive into the and the message that you have for us. Would you open our hearts and open our minds and let your word go deep. I thank you that your word does run swiftly, Lord. So I ask that you would cover us. Holy Spirit, that you would give Dan your words and your wisdom, that every word that comes out of his mouth would be a word directly into our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. So in the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word beginning is a word that has a connotation that also would reflect what a snowball effect is like. In other words, you can start with a small little ball and the more you roll it, the more snowflakes it picks up and it gets larger and larger and larger. And it's the same word picture that this word beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ infers to. Once it starts, nothing can stop it. And it gets bigger and bigger. And that goes back to, and the increase of his government, there'll be no end. So once he was set free to do what God's purpose was through the man Christ Jesus, there's no stopping it. And we're all a part of that. Aren't you glad? As we reach across this nation and we're a part of it, getting bigger and bigger and bigger and covering more and more and more territory and it, it, you'll notice in verse two, it says, just as it is written in Isaiah, the prophet. So everything that Jesus unfolded and modeled for us was prophesied by the prophets of old, which were then written down for us in this book. And so we can bank on the Bible being something we can base our life on. Aren't you guys thankful for that? Then this next section down to verse, you know, eight, it's talking about John the Baptist as the forerunner and that he paved the way. And I just want to propose to you that that's all of our job descriptions is to pave the way for Jesus to show up and do what only Jesus can do. You will remember with me in Luke chapter 10, where Jesus sent out the 70 to everywhere he wanted to go. He was showing us a picture of what forerunners actually should look like. God doesn't want us to go where we just want to go. God actually wants us to go where he can't wait to go, but he needs a forerunner to pave the way for him. And so John the Baptist is a picture of what every Christian's life should represent. We should be building bridges so that Jesus can come and have face-to-face -face -to -face encounters with people. That should be our lives, the way we live, the way we serve, the way we love, the way we pray, the way we care. Let me give you examples. On my flight to Denver, um, on my first leg, I was sitting by a gentleman in a suit, and I could tell he didn't want to be bothered. But I got a word of knowledge for him, and uh, I knew he was going to do a presentation. And if it went well, it was going to be very good for him. But if it didn't go well, it was going to be devastating. And the Lord showed all this to me, but I knew he didn't want to be bothered, so I didn't say anything. Then I watched it the last 10 minutes of the flight. He took out something and got on his computer, and I saw this big presentation. And the Holy Spirit says to me, you missed an opportunity. And so I wasn't a forerunner. You get it? I could have said something, 
that probably would have opened that man's heart up, but I didn't, I missed it. So on the next leg of the flight, I remember I was sitting there and I wasn't feeling bad because I miss it a lot. That's why I can approach him every single day with boldness to obtain mercy because he's thankful and he's very gracious to give me another chance to start over every moment. Aren't you glad that God has lots of plans for all of us? How many are glad that even when you miss it, he has a, he's like the master Garmin. If you miss your exit, he reroutes the course automatically and he doesn't miss a beat. Aren't you thankful the Holy Spirit is our guide, our comforter, and he just keeps walking with us. I'm, I'm grateful for God. How many of you are grateful for God? Okay, so on the next flight, I'm sitting there and a little gal comes and sits by me and I'm just listening to the Holy Spirit. And the Lord tells me that she's lost her husband and she's got a new one, but she's struggling and that she had a really hard upbringing. And so I started telling her all that. And she looked at me and she goes, how'd you know that? And I said, well, I'm a Christian. She goes, oh, I'm a, I have a prayer partner. Uh, my mother-in-law, I'm going to visit her in Boise. She's my prayer partner. And I did lose my first husband 23 years ago. And my second husband, blah, blah, blah. everything you said is true. What do you do? And so it opened up a whole conversation on what I do and lead people into healing and lead people into freedom. And, and she says, well, would you pray for me? So I grabbed her hand on the plane and we had revival. And she goes, I want to go to that church. And I don't know if she came that night. It was a big, I don't know. I, I don't know if she came, but she said she wanted to come to the service that night. And she said she felt the anxiety and the fear leave her when I laid hands and prayed. Well, I didn't miss the opportunity on the second leg of the flight. Aren't you glad? that we can be forerunners and go everywhere Jesus himself intends to go. How many are glad that that's our calling? Amen, church? And so in verse eight, this is what John the Baptist concludes. He says, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad Jesus wants to baptize us with the Holy Spirit? He wants to baptize us with the Holy Spirit. In fact, that's what he came to do. So, so look, look here, you guys, in verse nine, in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And I want to tell you that it wasn't by chance that it was the Jordan. The Jordan River was used symbolically all through scriptures to do amazing things, which would be show crossings from one life to another, uh, from one season to another, how to remove leprosy. I mean, there's unended stories in the Bible about the River Jordan. The Hebrew meaning for Jordan is to flow down or descend. <clears throat> That's what the word Jordan means, to flow down or descend. Jesus was modeling to us that he is the one who releases the river of life. So he was willing to come down and descend from his rightful place and become one of us and identify with us and show us that the way to lead is to serve. The way to be first is to take the last place. The way to live is to die. Jesus actually showed us that the downward path is the upward path. By starting his ministry, by being baptized in the river, that means to flow downward or descend, okay? It's a downward path. And he comes up out of the water and the heavens open up and the Holy Spirit, like a dove, descends on him and a voice from heaven says, behold, you are my beloved son and you I'm well pleased. I love this, you guys. This is the beginning of Jesus's ministry, being baptized by the Spirit. 
John baptized with water, but the Holy Spirit was on Jesus, okay? God wants all of us baptized in the Holy Spirit so he can begin his ministry in us. He's the firstborn. He's the pattern. He's the pace setter. He could not start his earthly ministry of setting captives free, releasing the prisoners, opening blind eyes. He could not start his ministry until he was baptized by the Holy Spirit. He's our pattern. We need to seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Is anybody hearing me? Like, it's not just a phrase. You can't adequately represent Yeshua without the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not possible to do it with techniques and strategies and methods. It's, it's not possible to accurately and adequately represent, represent Yeshua without the power of the Holy Spirit resting on us. It's a prerequisite. We must be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Is it quiet or is it just me? And as soon as he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, he was led in the wilderness to be tempted. He was with the wild animals. The angels were serving him. Remember my sermon on the angels, their ministering spirits set to help those who will inherit salvation. So the angels were actually ministering to him while he was in the wilderness with the wild animals, being tempted of the devil, you know, fighting hunger and thirst. So now I want to start going through the miracle stories of this Jesus. I love this. Um, yeah, I love this. The next several verses, he's calling his disciples. And then I want to pick up here in verse 21, you guys. And then they went into Capernaum. And immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and began to teach, and they were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So I wonder what made him different, you guys. I wonder what made him different. And just then there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out saying, what business do you have with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Well, that may be what made them think his teaching was different. People with demons could no longer sit there and act like they were enjoying the teaching. The demons were flaring up because it was anointing that was greater than the teacher's anointing that they were used to. You get it? When we teach, Demons should never be comfortable. I'm saying this to everybody in this room. You don't have to be a person in a pulpit to teach. Your life should be a sermon. When you walk in a room, when you walk in a restaurant, when you walk in a store, when you walk in church, when you walk in your small group, demons should not be comfortable. They should be irritated that you're there. We should no longer be the ones who are harassed by demons. Our lives should be the, the force that's harassing the demonic realm. And look what Jesus said. Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet and come out of him. And after throwing him into convulsions, crying out with a loud voice, the unclean spirit came out of him. And they were all amazed. So this is what made all the religious people amazed. They were all amazed saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority? And he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him? 
and immediately the news about him spread everywhere into all the surrounding region of Galilee. So what was Jesus first known for? Being one who could get rid of demons. Before he was known as a healer, come on, before he was known as a deliverer or salvation provider, or one who could baptize with the spirit, or one who could feed the multitudes with nothing, before he was known as the resurrection, his first notoriety, he was known as one who could get rid of demons. Come on, you guys, this is very important. Who's our pattern? Who are we Who are we trying to be like? Are we supposed to be Christ-like? And you know what we've done? You know what we've done, you guys? We have dumbed down the power of the gospel so much that we just accept people the way they are and say, well, that's just the way they are. And if they're not the way the word says they are, then there's demonic influence in their lives, but we're not walking in an awareness that the power on us should threaten the demonic on them. And that's exactly why every time Jesus sent anybody out, anybody, whether it was 12, whether it was 70, whether it was 120, whether it was 500, it doesn't matter whether it was everybody who believes, Anytime Jesus sent anybody out, he gave them authority to get rid of demons and to heal the sick and to preach the kingdom. And it's always in that order. Have you guys noticed? Come on, you guys. Remember in Acts 10, 38, Jesus went around healing everyone he went around doing good. Like, it's really good to go around healing everyone that's oppressed of the devil. It's really good to go around healing everyone oppressed of the devil. And Jesus is our pattern. Amen, church. I want everybody on the Zoom call this morning to get healed. I want everybody on the Zoom call to be set free from any demonic influence. If there's any demons harassing your thoughts, I want them out today. Come on. Depression's not allowed. Fear is not allowed. Isaiah 26 says, I will keep him in perfect peace. All we got to do is get our mind fixed on him. Get your mind off of the problem. The problem focus is what gives the devil inroads into your emotions and starts your negative thought patterns where you don't have any confidence and you just go around trying to survive. That's not the gospel. Jesus got famous as someone who could get rid of demons. And you know what we've done, you guys, in the post-modern, post-Christian, Western culture, lukewarm body of Christ, we've marginalized and kind of put the deliverance people in a weird category because we forgot what Jesus wanted us to do as a lifestyle. You think about that. When I was growing up, like the, deli the deliverance people, oh yeah, you, you know, you kind of need to stay clear of them. And it's what Jesus did. He went around healing everyone that was oppressed of the devil. That's what he did. And he lives inside of us. You guys remember Colossians 1.27? Christ in you. Christ is in you. The hope is we'll let him out. It's the hope that will let him out and do what he does. What does he do? He goes around healing everyone who's oppressed of the devil. You get it? That little lady I prayed for in the plane, you guys, from Denver to Boise, she goes, yeah, I'm in therapy. And I said, well, how's it working? Well, she goes, I can't really tell much difference. I said, because that's not the source, hon. I said, he's the comforter. He's the healer. He's the deliverer. I said, you have faith. You have a prayer partner, but you're trying to do both things. We can't be in both worlds and have success from one world. We have to choose. Either we're going to buy into this system or buy into his system. And she listened, you guys, because she felt something touch her when I prayed. And the first thing I did when I prayed, you guys, is I prayed the demons off of her mind. 
before she could relieve healing. This is a stranger on a plane, 37,000 feet. Of course, they can't go anywhere at 37,000 feet. They can't walk out of the sanctuary. And I was in the aisle and she was on the window, so she kind of had to be involved in the revival. <laughs> it was good. But she blessed me and she thanked me. I don't know how long I'm supposed to stay on this. It's time for us to stop looking at people and saying, oh, that's just their personality. It's, oh, that's just the way they were brought up. No. If they're not the way the word says they're supposed to be living, then there's demons involved. And we have authority. How many of you know that every Christian has authority over all unclean spirits? We have authority, you guys. Look at verse 29. I didn't know I was going to spend that long on that. Maybe it's because I'm doing a lot of deliverance ministry now in our intensive last week. Man, what an intensive we had. We had over 400 people showing up in our services and the power of God was there, you guys. Man, one night when we were having a few testimonies, they just kept coming and testifying to miracles. I mean, it was, it was incredible because demons were leaving. And when demons get out of people's minds and bodies, miracles start happening. How many want to see more of that? Like, so look at verse 29. And immediately after they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever, and they immediately spoke to Jesus about her. And he came to her and raised her up, taking her by the hand, and the fever left her, and she served them. So how did Jesus get rid of this fever? He took her by the hand. He took her by the hand. And the moment he touched her, the fever left and she was able to serve him. Sometimes the only thing you need to do, you guys, is put your hand on someone. You know, the, the signs that we'll get to at the end of this book in chapter 16, that you'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. It's as simple as what Jesus just modeled here with Peter's mother-in-law. You don't need to have, come on, worship music and the certain kind of lighting and preach a 45 minute message to get people's faith up. What if you just went into every situation as a believer? Mark 16 says these signs will follow those who believe. In fact, I tell people this all over the country that you should never lay hands on people because they're sick. You should always lay hands on people because you believe, you believe. Because Jesus lives in you and he wants to flow through you because what I preached last week was he gave himself to the church. So all the power, all the authority, all the dominion that he won back by going to hell, he gave himself to the church. So now he has to flow with all of his power through us. We're the church. We're his body. We're his bride. He's limited himself to flow through us. So when you put your hands on someone in faith, you've actually given Jesus a place to flow into a person. Something's always going to happen. You don't have to see the results, you guys. You just need to believe. Come on. Something happens at the root system of what is bothering people, whether it's emotional, financial, relational, physical. It doesn't matter. Something happens this moment you touch someone believing. There's power in that. And if we weren't so carnal, come on, brothers and sisters, if we weren't so sense-driven, where we needed to see some validation, you know, with our eyes. We needed to see something. If we could just trust the Word of God. Come on, as Isaiah wrote, 
everything that Jesus did, everything John the Baptist did, it's already been prophesied. Sons and daughters will prophesy. They'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. It's already been prophesied. You just need to believe the word can't lie. The word can't return void. When you come into a situation, just touch someone, shake their hand. They'll just think you're shaking their hand, but you'll be releasing the power of God to heal them. Come on, a demon can't stay comfortable if you shake someone's hand in faith. This is good preaching. I guess it just goes back, you guys, to are we believers or are we just religious? Come on. Are we just like, yeah, I've already known that. I've already seen that. I've been there, done that. Yeah, I got my education. I got my MDiv. I got my PhD. I got my doctorate. Yeah, I've been ministering 20 years. I, I got it. Yeah, I got it. And, but we're not believing because if we believed, we could just grab someone's hand and their fever would leave. Man, that's really good. Some of you are just staring at me. Like all of you are just staring at me. I love this. I love this. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you guys something. The first time I met my daughter-in-law, Haley, Chad Bohai's wife, um, Chad brought her out to our farmhouse. This is back when we had a little 30 acres and she came in the house and we hugged her and greeted her and welcomed her, you know, welcomed her to Kansas. And she said, she started talking about her heart problem. And she had tachycardia, which means her heart raced at about 160 beats per minute instead of 70. And so it'd been that way her whole life. And immediately the Holy Spirit said to me, anoint her and pray for her. And this is before I knew her, you guys. This is like the first five minutes of meeting her. And so I said to my wife, honey, get me some oil. And, and little Haley looked at me like, what, what are they? She jokes about it now. She thought maybe we were going to boil her in oil or something. She had no idea what we were going to do. You know, she was a little nervous because we were out on the farm. And, you know, the first thing I said was, honey, get me some oil. And so she didn't quite know how to get that. Anyway. I anointed Haley and I commanded her heart to be normal and she hasn't had one tachycardia since then. Now listen to this, you guys, you need to listen to this. She didn't have time to become an unbeliever in my faith because it was our first acquaintance. If you don't meet people in the spirit first, you start building a history with them where there's no power being released. What I'm saying right now is very important. You have one chance to make a first impression. If you meet people as believers, a simple touch from the hand can release a miracle. If you release, if you meet people in the flesh, just as an acquaintance, then you start building a history where it's just status quo. And this is everything that nobody ever expects anything from the gospel, except maybe we'll get to go to heaven someday. That's not the gospel Jesus modeled for us. We need to, we need to spend so much time alone with Jesus that we are so pregnant with the word when we come out in public that everybody we touch is impacted by the power of Jesus. Amen. Amen or oh me, right? Amen or oh me. I guess we can pick our choice. So now when evening came, verse 32, I'm not getting very far. Pray for me, you guys. There's 16 chapters in this book. Um, now when evening came, after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all who were ill and those who were demon-possessed. You know why they were bringing the ill and the demon-possessed? Because he shook Peter's mother-in-law's hand and healed her. And he cast the demon out of that man in the synagogue. And if you'll do that, you guys, you won't have to go looking for ministry. Do you get what I'm saying? Cast a demon out of someone and people will be calling you for ministry. Heal someone, people will be calling you for ministry. Your ministry will bring ministry. And every one of us, you know what our ministry should be? 
the ministry of Jesus. If we're not doing the ministry of Jesus, we shouldn't be in ministry. Is that a good point? If we're not doing the ministry of Jesus, we shouldn't be in ministry. And what did Jesus do? He went around healing everybody that was oppressed of the devil. That's what he did. Now, when evening came, after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And I, I want to make a notation there about, I get questions sometimes. In fact, at the last intensity, we got questions. What's the difference between depression, oppression, and possession? I don't think there's much difference in any of them. Demons are influencing us in some way or fashion, or we wouldn't have any of those three things. You wouldn't be depressed, you wouldn't be oppressed, and you certainly wouldn't be possessed unless there was demons involved in your mind. And aren't you glad we have authority over them? Who's glad we have authority over them? They don't have authority over us. We have authority over them. So we need to quit giving up our authority. And the whole city had gathered at the door. Isn't that interesting? The whole city, all Jesus did was get rid of a demon at church and grab Peter's mother-in-law's hand so she could fix him a dinner, and the whole city's gathered at the door. Are you kidding me? And we make Facebook posts and flyers and send out invitations and do radio ads and take out mo you know newspaper ads, and at best, we get two new people that show up, and all if we just shook someone's hand and healed them, there wouldn't be enough room in the church. I'm preaching so good. I'm convicting myself, you guys. Come on. I'm convicting myself. If we would just, if we would just do what Jesus did, the crowds would find us. The crowds would find us. Oh my. So um the whole city gathered at the door, and he healed many. You notice what it says in verse 34? He healed many who were ill with various diseases. It doesn't say he prayed for them. It says he healed them. And I want to make a note here, you guys. So most of you know this that are on my Zooms on a weekly basis. Jesus never told anybody to pray for the sick. He just always gave people authority and power to heal the sick. That's what Jesus did. And he modeled it. He healed many who were ill with various diseases. He cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew who he was. That's important. Don't get into conversations with demons. Just get rid of them. Don't be swapping phone numbers with demons. Get rid of them. Come on. You don't need to know anything about them. You don't need to know their history, where they came from. You just need to know they're not good. You're supposed to go around doing good. So let's get rid of demons. Amen. You guys with me? Have I lost anybody yet, Melissa? Okay. And in the early morning, while it was still dark, now this is amazing, you guys. This is a night, this is a night where Jesus said everybody in the town came to his house and he healed a bunch of them and got rid of demons. And it says, early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and prayed there for a time. Maybe that's the secret. What you do in private with your Heavenly Father is the, that's the secret to what you do in public to replicate the life and ministry of Jesus. What you do in private has the direct correlation to what God is able to do through you in public. 
We need to build a history with God in private before we can display the glory of God in public. So quit hitting the snooze button. <laughs> I know your spirit's willing, but your flesh is weak. So why don't you just follow the spirit and you'd be less depressed during the day. Amen. You know what I found? If you don't get full in the morning, you can't get full during the day. Probably people ought to write that down. If you don't get full first thing, there's no way you can get full second and third and fourth thing. There's a reason why God gave you morning so you can break your fast, so you can break your sleep. And the first encounter you could have was with the power life source that you can't do anything without. And so we should end up getting full in private so we can spill out everywhere we go in public. Man, isn't this good? So you shouldn't read the Bible, you guys, just to get through your pages. You should read your Bible to get full of the power of the spirit that makes your belief so off the charts that you could actually just shake someone's hand knowing they're going to get healed when you shake their hand. Seriously. Like, like today, after hearing this message, aren't you going to want to go and shake someone's hand? Think about that. It's so simple. It's so simple. Yet nobody does it. We're waiting for somebody to do it for us. And, and Jesus is so patient. He puts up with us. That's the, that's the irony of all this. Like he waits for us. Because he has to flow through us. He loves us. So he's praying for a time. It doesn't give us a specific time. You know, I've heard people say, you know, sweet hour of prayer, two hours of prayer, whatever. It doesn't matter. I think, I think you pray until you know that you're ready. Sometimes it might be five minutes and sometimes it might be five hours. I just think you pray and you listen and you study and you meditate until you know and then you're ready, and then a handshake will do. Simon and his companions eagerly searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. Now, so we go from uh, a demon in a church service to a mother-in-law's fever in a house to everybody in town coming to that same house. And now Peter says, everyone is looking for you. It's a snowball. Remember the first word I says, the beginning of the gospel? Remember the first word, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the beginning, the word beginning, it's a snowball effect. Jesus Christ is in all of us. You know what the beauty of the spirit-filled life is, brothers and sisters? Every day, if we start the way Jesus started every day of his ministry, we can have a snowball effect. And one touch will lead to one story, will lead to one testimony, will lead to, and all of a sudden, before the day's over, everybody in our sphere of influence will want to be close. Everybody will be looking for us. <laughs> this is good teaching. I never heard this before. I'm hearing God talk to me right in my own living, my own little prayer room. He's here with me. This is so good. I'm so happy. So everyone's looking for you. And then he said to them, okay, let's go somewhere else to the towns nearby so I can preach. That's why I came. And so he went into their synagogues, preaching throughout Galilee and casting out the demons. So Jesus wasn't enamored by the crowds. So in other words, Jesus didn't do anything he did to draw crowds. He did everything he did because it's what the Father whispered in his heart to do. He lived in such intimacy with his Father 
that whatever was on the Father's heart, Jesus's body and life gave expression to the Father's heart. And we're supposed to give expression to the heart of Jesus. Christ in you. The hope is we'll let him flow through us, but he needs our obedience. He needs our faith. He needs our willingness. He needs our action. It's not about drawing the crowds, you guys. The crowds will take care of themselves. It's about flowing downward, like the River Jordan. It's about a lifestyle of releasing the very atmosphere of heaven wherever we go. Amen. And I love what it says, he went into all their churches, preaching and casting out demons. <laughs> Man, you guys, we would get run out of so many churches if we tried to cast demons out of the people in the churches. And that's what Jesus did. He went around preaching, casting out demons. Are you kidding? You know, the bride of Christ that's going to make herself ready, we're eventually going to end up doing the same ministry Jesus did. I can see it coming to that, you guys. I No longer is it going to be like, here's your donut and your coffee. Here's your hand sanitizer. Here's your meet and greet. Here's your three worship songs where nobody sings, even though the words are on the wall. Here's your three-point sermon and your nice conclusion. And you leave and nothing happens. It wasn't on the bulletin. Those days are not going to be around forever. We're actually going to start doing what Jesus did. And I'm telling the truth. It's coming, you guys. It's coming. So, a man with leprosy came to Jesus. And we don't know, you guys, if it actually was leprosy or not. It was some kind of disease, some kind of an infectious disease. But the closest description they came up with was leprosy. But there's every scholar that I've studied, they don't know for sure if that's the correct word, but it's the closest thing they could come up with. Okay, so in other words, if God didn't want the word leprosy in the Bible, they wouldn't have come up with that word. A man with leprosy came to Jesus. And I think the reason why the Holy Spirit wanted that word in this text, he wants us to know that no matter how bad it seems, Jesus has more power. You get it? A man with leprosy came to Jesus, imploring him and kneeling down and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. That's an amazing statement. On one side, the leper knew that if God wanted to, he could, but he didn't know for sure God wanted to. So there was a word if there. And I said this uh, when I was in Idaho preaching, I think the word if is the most powerful word in the, in the universe. Because if we'll do what the word says, it frees God up to do what God says he can do. If. It's a condition. Like if my people, if you'll follow me, if you'll deny yourself, like if, 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 if. Like, there's no guarantee we will. Like, I'm sitting next to a man that God gives me a word about. He has a big presentation, and I don't do it. I didn't do the if. You get it? I didn't do the if. Two weeks ago, I'm driving to church, and I see that man carrying the gas can, and I drove right by him, even though the Holy Spirit says, stop and help him. I didn't do the if till three blocks later. I did an illegal U-turn and went back and did the if. 
and God touched the guy. Come on. If you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. If, if it's the most powerful word. And I love what the, lip, the leper said. If you're willing, if you're willing. Well, I love Jesus' response. Moved with compassion. Move, listen to this, you guys. Moved with compassion. That word compassion can be translated giving your life as an instrument where what's in Yahweh's womb wanting to be birthed in the earth has a channel to flow through now. Every time Jesus was moved with compassion and responded in compassion, his life of obedience to the Father gave the Father a place to birth a miracle in the earth. And Jesus is our pattern. When Jesus went around healing everyone oppressed of the devil, is he went around in compassion, you guys. And every act that he did gave Yahweh, Father God, a channel to birth a miracle through. And Jesus is our pattern. And we're supposed to be Christ-like. Moved with compassion. You have to be moved, you guys. You can't just have compassion and sit there. Moved. It need, Your compassion needs to have feet. It needs to have hands. It needs to have words. It needs to, it needs to have a touch. It needs to have an expression. Moved with compassion. Jesus reached out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing. Be cleansed. Now he didn't pray for him. He cleansed him. Do you get Jesus' pattern? He did his praying before the sun came up alone with his father so that he was so pregnant with miracles that all he had to do is release them when he was in public. He didn't have to play catch up in public because he never operated unless he was full in private. Amen. This is so good, you guys. I am willing. Let me talk about that phrase. It's a continuous tense verb, and it really could be translated this way. I was willing. I am willing. I always will be willing. I am the I am willing God. That's the way that should be translated. I've, I was willing. I am willing. I always will be willing because I am the I am willing God. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he sternly warned him and immediately sent him away. And I want you to notice something, you guys. I want you to notice something. What started this snowball effect was Jesus was teaching with an authority that nobody had been used to before. Where do you think he got that authority? You think he got it from a textbook? Or do you think he got it from his private time? Do you think he got it from studying Torah? Or do you think he got it from letting the Father's heart become his reality? I don't know. I just know the moment he cast the demon out, the snowball effect started. And they just kept coming and coming and coming and coming. And Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone. 
but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city. Oh my word. <laughs> but stayed out in unpopulated areas and they were coming to him from everywhere. Oh my <laughs> Who wants to like replicate the life and ministry of Jesus? I want to, you guys, don't you want to do this? And so I want us to spend time letting go of the things that we think have been hindering us from this. I feel very strong about our prayer should be focused these next 30 minutes on prayers of letting go of the things that the Holy Spirit reveals have been keeping us from the simplicity of this lifestyle. Maybe it's the fear of man. Maybe it's the fear of loss. Maybe it's whatever the Holy Spirit reveals. I know this much, you guys. You get alone with God. You get pregnant with the Word of God. You get energized by the Holy Spirit. You stay baptized in the fire. You keep your passion on Jesus only. And you can look at someone and a look will make a demon leave. You can shake someone's hand and a handshake will make a fever leave. And the rest is history. And it's available for all of us because that same Jesus lives in all of us. Remember when I said at the beginning, I want to go through all the miracle stories with this one agenda. The same Jesus that did it then lives in all of us now. He wants to do it now. There's no condemnation. There's an invitation.